Hey guys, it's Josh Collier here, um, and I am thrilled to welcome you to this conversation with Patrice Tiedemann from Sea Glass Theatre Company in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, this is just the first of many of the guest appearances that we'll have, and I, I so hope that you will enjoy this conversation. It is super exciting to have someone who is in the same basic boat where uh, she is a singer and she started this company and she'll tell you about why she started and all of these things. But I hope that you hear resonances from what I've been talking about through these episodes in the podcast, echoed by her experiences as an artist artistic administrator with Seaglass Theater Company. So enjoy this conversation and I look forward to comments on Facebook or on Twitter and uh, feel as always feel free to contact me at any point and if you want to contact Patrice at the end of the episode she will give you all of her contact information. So enjoy this guest episode on So You Want to Run an Opera Company. This is Patrice Tiedemann, Artistic Director of Sea Glass Theatre Company in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, we started the company in 2016 and presenting uh, creatively staged programming from opera, musical theatre, uh, Great American Songbook, jazz, whatever we can cook up in our crazy little heads. And we've been managing to swim along with the with the current for a while, and it's been quite a wild ride. <laughs> totally. Patrice, I am so grateful for you to be a part of this, um, you know, as a result of my podcast uh, that, that that came out. And I'm, I'm honored that you uh, jumped in. You were one of the first people to jump in and say, hey, let me let me let me come along. Let me be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super grateful because I think that it's really important. You know, I mean, obviously I have my opinions and my experiences, but they're very different from your experiences and from any other experiences. So to be right. able to have a community of administrators that can give real talk, you know, the people yes. that are trying to start the, to start their own companies uh, is really important to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm totally excited that you're here and thank you. Thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. And you know, we have a little bit of trivia because you sang in the very first concert for C-Class Theater Company back in 2016 in a classical Christmas. I did. 2016. Did. Yes. Holy hell. That was See? forever ago. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible because the world is so small that... There's generally, at least in the music world, there's a one degree of separation between mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's really funny because people will be like, well, you're just having on the people that you've sung with. No, that's not true. It's just mm-hmm. I've been pretty fortunate and I know a lot of people. And so I'm very yes. happy um, yes. about it. And I'm, I'm so, so unbelievably happy to hear about all of your success down there and, you know, continuing to, you know, slog away like we all are. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, in, in, in support of this art form. 
So you started, well, I guess ours was the first concert, it's 2016. So mm-hmm. you've got now four seasons or four years under mm-hmm. your belt. We won't count right. COVID um, <laughs> as, as a real thing, although you have done something, right? I think I saw... Oh, yes. Yeah. What, yes. What were, you, what were you doing during COVID? So we, we had planned... Uh, you know, our usual programming and then everything stopped and um, music director for the company, uh, Dr. Matthew Larson, said to me, we we should try to do something because all of these poor singers have just lost all of their contracts for the year. You know, let's try to do something. And so we went to the board and said, we want to do a summer a thing we want to call it music and martinis and just do weekly programming everybody knows how to operate an iphone or a camera and have people record performances or if they have permission to use things they have before let's put together a show let's put a drink recipe on let's talk and 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 chat and make it fun will you help support this and the board said we're in we're pony we're putting in some cash to get this going and we had some other you know we had a fundraiser for it other people donated said we're in we want to help singers and it went boom from then on so sea glass did 15 shows of music and martinis from june through the end of september then we were still in the pandemic, so then we pivoted again and did um, the stories of war and did a four-part series on music uh, from Civil War, World War One, and World War Two, and the rise of Adolf Hitler and and going into the end of World War Two. So we did that for four weeks. And then we then took our Concord Christmas show and split it up and put that out virtually. And so we've just tried to be pretty much doing something almost every week, except for a few weeks off here and there since last June. Yeah, dude, and, yeah. You, you have the same like manic creative um, impulse that i do yes (laughs) you know like it's funny because there there, you know i've talked to some of our colleagues and the response is like i don't know what to do and they go insular and try to you know hide away until you know hibernate until this goes away and i understand that Uh, totally i do because if you are used to producing opera or musical theater or anything else on a big scale it's really hard to figure out how to whittle that down for the iPhone. And we were in a position because we did not own a building and we did not have a a weekly payroll per se. You know, we pay everybody on on contract. Contract basis, yep. Yep. So we were able to jump in the other direction. And, um, you know, we put a small investment into um, a Sony Sony camcorder and green screen and um, software. And I had to jump right in and learn how to use the software and edit shows and, and create that. So, and we were fortunate that we, in a way, being small, helped us because we were able to make that about face where I think it's much more difficult for like the Met because they're like, well, this is what we do and we can't do that right now. So we don't know. So I just, I just want to pause for a second mm-hmm. and I want to have anyone who's listening right now l- record or rewind back for 20 seconds and listen to that again <laughs> and then compare that to the sentence that I said <laughs> <laughs> in the th- in, I don't know one of the episodes this is this is the crux of the issue 
that these small companies are able to recover from Mm -hmm. this insanity, this pandemic. We're able to make an about face because we're nimble. You know, Barn Opera is the same way. A lot of the other companies that that I'll be talking Mm -hmm. to are the same way. And, you know, we use the Met as this paragon, as this, you know, the top, I mean, yes, certainly in opulence and grandeur, but the fact that they are incapable of making that about face, is it, I mean, this is a rhetorical question. I don't expect you to, to answer it, but is it really beneficial for the art form? Like, is the grandeur and the opulence so necessary that it's it's a either we have it or we don't have opera? You know, this is the question yeah. that, that I really want to confront in a lot of these things where people, you know, there are singers that, that don't feel like they've made any sort of success unless they've sung on that stage. And mm-hmm. really that one That's in particular. True. And yes. It's well. It's it, that's inbred when you go to school. I mean, well, sure, absolutely. You're sold a bill of goods that uh, you have to have a fabulous technique. Obviously, you need you need a good technique. Sure, totally. But, but it, th- that your mark of your success is how close you've gotten to the big house, and it doesn't take into account people's uh, life preferences. Um, you know, how much sacrifice they want to make right. or or family issues or life issues or health or, or whatever. You know, there's so much more that, that goes into a satisfaction in life than than one thing. And for some people, that is it. And, and I think that's fabulous. But there is more than one way to have a career. Well, I think it just comes down to the the definition, your personal own definition of success, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, for some for someone singing the beautiful music that that we have in this tradition and singing all the roles and singing with you know wonderful colleagues and all these things it doesn't matter where that happens it's that you're creating that it happens exactly yeah that is uh, a measure of success for someone whereas it doesn't matter whereas success for another person might be the you know la cena è pronta right mm-hmm. guy from mm-hmm. Traviata in on the Met stage right right and that could be a measure of success but but and I'm not here to judge or to have any sort of real conversation about that but I I do think that it's an interesting perspective to question that and what is success and what is the idea what is the drive you know to mm-hmm for success and in this context of administration what is the idea behind the creation of the company as a parallel to what is your idea of your career trajectory as a singer do you know what i mean i guess right you know and so i think that's something that's really interesting to me so when you when you first had that i gotta do something moment Mm-hmm. To start Sea Glass, what was it? Did you always know that you wanted to be a producer, or you, you were a singer? You are a singer in the same way I am, still a yeah. singer. But, <laughs> but you, what caused you to think, hey, I'm going to start this company? Um, well, I mean, first, before Sea Glass was Charleston Chamber Opera in Charleston, South Carolina, 
And that that came out because my uh, dear friend and classmate from Indiana was living down there. And she said, you know, there's no year round opera company down here. Do you want to do something together? And that was in uh, that was in 2008. And I said, yeah, let's do this. And so I was the artistic director. She was the general director. She did all the money. I did all the plans. And we trucked that along for five years and we were doing what Seaglass does. I mean, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel with Seaglass. I mean, we were doing a lot of creative programming, but we did stick to mostly opera down there. But, um, but we did that for, 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 for a couple of seasons and we were starting to really pick up steam and, and then life intervened. Um, you know, I have a 10 year old son and, um, he needed more of my time and effort and it was getting harder to fly down there six, seven times a year and, you know, to be an administrator there. So we, we put it to, to rest. And then people kept coming to me and saying, you know, you really should run a company when I was, you know, up here and singing around and saying, you know, you'd be a good administrator. You'd be good at this, blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, I had a conductor say that to me, you know, you really should run a company. And one thing led to another. And I said, okay, I think I'm ready to do this again because I have a child who needs to stay put. Really his, his life, it's not conducive to traveling around the globe. So let me do something here. And I will say that, you know, as much as, as I enjoy singing myself, I get a great deal of satisfaction in working with singers, meeting singers, and giving them opportunities to, to sing and hone their craft, to try out things, and to move on to other things. Like I, I like to say, the greatest success for me is that I can't afford you anymore, that you've gone on to do something so great, I can't afford your fee <laughs> anymore. So that that for me is is a good thing. And so I think for me, it's a good life balance between, you know, still being a, you know, an active performer, but also looking at how things can be for other people. And I know that some people start companies to say, well, I want opportunities for myself to sing. And I totally get that because as we know, there are 7,000 sopranos right. to one tenor, lucky you. <laughs> and so a lot of ambitious, thoughtful, strong women have decided to start, you know, these endeavors. It kind of comes out of, well, let's put on a concert together and to give ourselves an opportunity. I want to sing Donna Anna. Nobody's hiring me right. for it. So let me put on a little Don Giovanni and then one thing leads to another. But, um, you, you know, I understand that that drive as well. But, you know, for me, it's also seeing the next crop of singers that comes up and trying to give some, you know, wisdom I've learned along the way and to learn from them, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know, never it, would have learned how to do all of this editing. I still don't understand Instagram. <laughs> Can I just say, I find that the least friendly app. Oh, in the I totally world. agree with I you. can't stand it, but that's <laughs> where, that's where, as we say, the children kids are. are. Kids are these so days. that's where the kids are. On, yep. Well, they're not even there. They're on TikTok now. Oh my gosh. And, and uh, everything else. But I mean, I've learned from them how to approach these things and how they see the career yeah. and the things that they're looking for and how they want to be respected in this business and the things that mean something to them as artists. So they're teaching me as much as I'm giving them, you know, old school advice, I guess. So 
Okay, Patrice, that this that is amazing, and there's like a, a gazillion things we could talk like for <laughs> months about this because I think yes. that we are super kindred spirits in this. But I just want to take a really quick break, um, yes. so that we can just kind of like reset, think about you know, and everybody who's listening can be like, okay, this is someone I want to work with. That's really <laughs> what they're going to think about. But but you know, really absorb some of the 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 concepts that you've brought up, and so. Um, yeah, and so we'll be we'll be right back. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, Patrice, honestly, I think um, you know you had just talked about all all of these things, and as you're as you're talking about. Uh, you know, loving to sing and but but still getting tremendous satisfaction out of seeing, you know, uh, other artists and giving them opportunities, and uh, and then you know your greatest compliment being that you can't afford them anymore. I kept being like, yep, 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 yep. You know, kindred spirits, and I think that what I have found, and I I wonder if you have as well, that a lot of the artistic directors that have come that are not doing it for a personal benefit. There's no no derogatory inflection in with that. I understand mm-hmm. in the same way you do, you know, Donna Anna wants to sing, right? She she should be able to do that and get a mm-hmm. group together and I am thrilled for that. But yes. for, you know, but for someone who wants to further the art form, you know, it really is uh, a separation. Where, yeah, you get satisfaction out of singing, but also out of producing what is this this beautiful kind of out-of-body experience. I don't know if you've had this this feeling where it's like you're creating this, but you're just facilitating and all these. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an amazing feeling, really. And mm-hmm. I've talked with a lot of our colleagues about this, and I tell you, every one of us have exactly, exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Idea. The same perspective. You know, it's one of those where if you ask someone of a vocal technique, you're going to get a, a gazillion different, you know, mm-hmm. responses, right? Mm-hmm. But with this, and I think it's one of the only things in this industry that is so universal, that mm-hmm. those of us that start these small companies really are in it for the right reasons. And that's yes. really yeah. exciting because I think that for way too long there's been a gatekeeper mentality there's been mm-hmm. an anointed like if you're not you know anointed by some i don't know some intendant somewhere you know you're not going to make it to um the highest level of the career but i think that needs to change and i think with these smaller companies with the nimbleness of our companies to be able to pivot in a time of intense crisis like this, I tangentially mm-hmm. have you seen the Metropolitan Opera's page on Facebook? Ye- yes, I follow them and I follow the Met Opera Chorus. Yeah, and, and yeah. have you seen the comments on their um, concerts, the, the 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 galas in Europe? Um, I've, uh, I've had some friends comment to me about it. Um, sometimes I, 
I, I, sometimes I like to dig deep, you know, like we say, get your bucket of popcorn. Totally. Here's the oh, show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I say, you know what? I just got to go swim in another pond for a while. Absolutely. Some, yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, self-preservation. Yeah, but I'm was. aware from, from friends of mine yeah. that have watched them that the criticism was that they were trying to do something that was so foreign to them and they couldn't get out of the grand. They couldn't get the grand. Yeah. Well, out of it and, and i get and i get it sure. i mean i get it as and well. i'm sure they have a board that is saying yep. this is what we want and i i i can see a lot of i i see both sides because yeah. as a i get it as a, a producer i mean you you know what it is to speak to your board yeah and oh your yeah board absolutely. Say, well this and that i mean i'm very fortunate i have a board that's behind me 100 percent and I say, here, I've got this crazy idea, and, you know, they (laughs) say, okay, let's figure out how to make it. Yeah, but I understand it's not always like that. No, well, no, of course. I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate in that as well. But, you know, what what struck me is that for a while now, um, because of the Mets' treatment of the orchestra and the chorus, Mm -hmm. um, there is a rallying cry. Um for well i mean everything to you know from pay your artists what a mm-hmm. novel concept to fire peter kelp mm-hmm. um and i look at this as a really interesting allegory because you think this company that is so big and exemplifies maybe what the opera world was I'm going to say was. Um, and the way that they have used artists as commodity in this. And something like this, like the, the pandemic really shows what a company is made of. And what a company's values are. And what a person's values are. You know, if I decided to walk around without a mask, you know, and flaunting what... Whether or not I believe it or not, you know, I'm putting my own preferences, my own beliefs above that of another person in the same way that the Met is doing this kind of as well. And so what I wonder about this, because comment after comment after comment, Firegelb, Payer Artists, what are you doing producing all these shows in mm. Hungary or Germany, yeah. you know, and <laughs> yeah. hiring you know, those local orchestras and calling them the Met. Oh, yes, that was the the New Year's Eve. Right. I believe was that that was the issue, was that they had Met artists, but exactly. they were singing over the... Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but what's interesting to me is that they can't figure out a way to make it work in this time, and yet you and I have and can... And I'm not Mm -hmm. suggesting that we are, (laughs) by any means, you know, we don't have the financial capabilities, we don't have the access, we don't have any of those things, and yet we're continuing to push the envelope. We're continuing to produce content Mm -hmm. that is new and innovative, you know, and that's a paradigm shift that I'm incredibly excited about and we're not the only ones and that's what's super exciting all around the country there are small companies that are popping up that are challenging status quo but here's the thing about that though and this is what i wonder because 
you and I, we we're known for being creative, and because we're smaller and and more you know more flinty, yeah. People expect that hey, it can be very exciting. This could be amazing. It could be a disaster. Yep. But maybe when you get to be that esteemed, that r- level of risk taking is not in your favor because your brand is so associated with one thing. I mean, when you say, what is the Seaglass Theater Company brand? Well, I would hope that people would say, oh, they, they hire good singers and they're nice to work with. That's what I'm hoping the brand is. Yeah. But, you know, when you say the Met, when you say to the average person in the street, what is the Metropolitan Opera? What would they say? They wouldn't say, oh, innovative and edgy and... You know, or they just kind of did something wild. I mean, you know, why didn't they just highlight their opera chorus doing concerts and different things in their living room and right. fun stuff like that? I don't know. But maybe it's because it has to do with their brand. And you and I are freer to take those risks. But the question that I people have. people expect it. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. And the question really that I have about this is, is about the value is the value of that brand so valuable that it is incapable of flexibility? You know, we you make an, a, a really salient point. What mm. What is the brand of the Met? And yeah. for me, I look at it, and the brand of the Met is socioeconomically dividing, musically completely uninteresting. I mean, beautifully performed. Don't get me wrong. You know, the Met Orchestra is absolutely one of the best orchestras in the world, which is why it's so offensive what's happened. But anecdotally, I went and saw, I was in New York, and I had never seen the, uh, the Zeffirelli production of Turandot. And I was mm, looking forward beautiful. to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I... Um, I, I, I sang it with the Opera Company of Middlebury a couple years ago. I love the score. I love the show. I was like, well, this is going to be amazing, you know. And I went to the show, and the first act was, was I mean, was fine. Um, the second act, uh, the gold, you know, resplendent thing. The curtain mm-hmm. came up, and, you know, everyone got a suntan, right? Because it was that bright. Mm. But that was it. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. Mm. You know, the spectacle of that moment was the reveal. After that reveal, nothing else happened. So that felt like a metaphor for me in what the Met is. Is it's glit? You know, it feels like this... You know, I mean, and, and and it was so exorbitantly expensive, you know, that, that, inf- that you know, it was the last time I was able to rush for a ticket. Yeah. Um, but it, what it feels like for me is when someone is looking to create an opera company, what model should they look at? You know, and I posit that you can have the same level or better considering the shows that I've been to at the Met, um, productions, singing, music, without the type of of aggressive elitism. Um, and I think that new companies need to understand that that type of um, production budget is not something that's that's commonplace 
Right. And so yes, that's true. The expectations are should be that quality does not necessarily correlate with paycheck with size of budget you mm-hmm. know because i mean I, I i if you're like me i i i don't know what your what your normal fee are, fee is and i don't think we need to talk about it but you know i imagine that we're probably in the same realm ish um we pay but it's not i mean i i can't pay a living wage you know i can't pay that amount um, which is why we have really short rehearsal periods, um, because I've run on the the adage, there are three qualities in anything. So this is any sort of trade, um, building, or, or anything. Three qualities, time, quality, and cost. There are three mm-hmm. elements, right? You get to choose two, and I get the last one. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, the, as a performer... So if I don't have a lot of money, so I'm going to choose the price and I want a really good quality, then I'm going to let I'm going to make the time be as short as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And that's been my guiding principle. But with this type of um, opulence from from the Met and all of these things, I don't know how you feel about this, but my thing is it's been done. Why? Yeah, try? I mean, I, I, I think there's a place. I think there's a place for that. I think there is need for the, you know. There's nothing wrong with having Carnegie Hall and having uh, the Brandon Town Hall. Totally, totally. Okay, and you can have a satisfying musical experience in both of them without question. So I think that you can have both, and you know we can all coexist together. And I think there's a place, there's a place for everybody. Yeah. You know, some people want to go to New York and, you know, go to the Met and dress up and, yep. and be wowed, like you said, by the Zeffirelli production and, and see it. And, and that's okay. That's okay. And then, you know, my, my thing that I love is when people come to a show and, you know, we say our unofficial tagline is try us, how bad can it be? <laughs> Um, you know, it, we try to keep it cheap enough so that people feel that they have not made. Well, I mean, think about it, right? When people yeah. put a lot of money into a Met ticket, like you said, they are expecting a show Yeah. in every sense of the word. We try to keep our ticket prices very accessible for the area. And so that people are tempted to say, well, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. If it's, if it's If it's not my thing, I haven't really put a significant investment in. And that's okay, too. And then I feel my job as the producer is to make sure that you leave there and go, wow, well, I'm coming back. And next time I'm bringing friends with me and I want to see more of what this company does or I want to follow what they do or or whatever. So I, I think there's a place at the table for everybody depending on what your need is. And I think that's kind of wrapped up, too, like we were talking about careers and what kind of career people need. Not the career that they want, but what the career is that they need for their life. And some people need to have that huge career and live out of a suitcase and have that pressure and demand on them. And other people say, you you know, I don't need that. I want to raise my kids in Vermont and have a house and I want to have a quality of life. And that's okay, too. Right. And both are valid. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, and God, absolutely. Uh, you know, totally bucking the the system and saying, no, I don't have to live. You know, it's funny. I 
I thought I was giving up everything in Boston when I moved to Vermont as a singer. I sang more in Boston being outside of Boston than I did in. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a crazy, you know, Catch-22, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is, like, so unreasonable um, about the w- with the industry. Um, but, you know, I totally agree with you. There is a place. I, I had a... Um, I had a conversation once with someone who was taught who 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 equated it like dessert. Like you can love really rich flourless chocolate cake, right? Like you, really dense, super yeah, super rich. Um, but then you can also really enjoy um, like a soft serve vanilla ice cream. You know, like sure. there are lots, and and I do think that those two desserts don't occupy the same space but they have but they fulfill the same need Mm -hmm. and i think that that's a really important um distinction to to make especially since this podcast you know we're i'm catering it specifically toward people who are looking to start a company and so you know where they choose to go with their company where they what their aesthetic is what their board makeup is, what their financial makeup is, you know, these are all determining factors, right? If mm-hmm. if if I had a gazillionaire who said you can, ha- you know, I'll write the check for whatever you want, that's a very different situation than mm-hmm. than what I, I imagine that you and I are both kind of doing. Um, although I, you know, I, I don't know that I would go toward the opulent. Um, just because that's just not my aesthetic, but but I do I do think that it's important to to have a clear picture of what you're looking at and what you're looking for and what you're modeling things on. So to have mm-hmm. the Met, to have Chicago Lyric, to have these giant, huge companies as one option, and have something like you or something like Barn Opera or something like, you know, the smaller companies that are around that are super cool, you know, super innovative because they have to be as another model and having the people that are trying to jump into this fray have two separate polarized, you know, ideas of Mm -hmm. what the opera world looks like from an administrative perspective that they can find somewhere in the middle that fits them. You know, and I think that's really cool that we're going to, and all, and the people that are listening right now, and and the people that are, and they're going to be the new opera companies in the country, having those that space occupied is really exciting for me because it also, I mean, everything benefits all of us, right? We don't live on a desert island, so ha- you know, having that camaraderie. I think is really important. And I think that you articulating what your programming is and what your ideas are. And I love your, I love your, uh, your unofficial tagline. It's just fab. That's just fab. You Um, know, I I keep it real. I just, that's just toy. What's, what's the point of not right? Like there's just, there's no, you know, (laughs) well, and that's why I don't call my, I I don't call, we never wanted to be called an opera company because we do a wide mix of repertoire and, um, I mean, this this coming year, we have, I mean, we have an interview series coming up 
uh, called the Spotlight Series, where we go one-on-one with an artist and you and talk to them about who they are as people, besides just the sound bites that you get at you know, you know, an interview in a newspaper. And but we're we're doing we're going to be doing opera. We're doing a world premiere piece written by you know female composer for women's voices. We're you know. And and I am as proud of those things as when I produced a Sinatra concert at at a local museum and had a bunch of people come out and hear one one of the greatest Sinatra interpreters of the area and Michael Dutra. I mean that was is is as much a highlight for me as doing the opera stuff. And so I would say to people who are thinking of doing a company, is if you want to make it completely opera, that's fabulous, absolutely know your area and know what else you might be able to program that might also open you up to a broader audience as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and (laughs) you haven't heard, just real, real talk. You didn't listen to my podcast yet. Have you? Uh, Yes, I did. I listened to the, I listened to the introductory one and started the other one. No, no, no. The the reason why I ask is not because I'm like, you need to read it. No, you know what you're doing. Is there a test at the end of this? (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no test, but I think it's just fabulous. And it, it, it validates the points that you're making and it validates the points that I'm making because we are saying the same thing. We're mm-hmm. talking about like I have um, the the uh, the third you know the third episode of the podcast is specifically about market research and mm-hmm. about how your programming can is influenced by that market research, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to know your audience and to know your location, which is the second episode of the podcast, you know, to know all of these things. And so I love the fact that you said you are as proud of this world premiere opera as you are of a Sinatra concert. Mm -hmm. I think that, and, and I think why I chose Barn Opera was not because I wanted to specifically do all the masterworks, although we do, but but we've also, we've got a lot of, I've got a world premiere schedule for the next three years, you know? Um, and it's not just opera. These are, because I believe opera is just theater. I think it's just sung theater with, with uh, a different aesthetic than, mm-hmm. than what happens on Broadway, but I think well, it's let's, the same. Yes. Well, and it, you know, it's funny because like we did a, a Halloween show too, a virtual Halloween show this year for the first time. And not only did we combine um, Britain, um, we had, we, we Kiaccia did uh, the, um, the sleep, uh-huh. sleep. He did that piece. And not only do we have that, but we also had the monster match in the same program. <laughs> and we had psycho and we had yep. other things. And that's okay, and and you know that's that's the thing in, in marketing and in that type of thing. One of the other things is is depending on where, you know, saying so you want to start an opera company. One of the other things is in, in looking at the area. Is like for instance, Boston. Boston can support a lot of what I would consider more um, uh, highbrow entertainment. It can it can support more 
more messiahs in the critical version, you know, kind of <laughs> concerts. Period instruments, period tuning. Uh, every singer is has a doctorate in historical performance. It can support that. Uh, where I live in, in southeastern Massachusetts, people are very supportive audiences and, and have a wide range of tastes. But that might not necessarily be the cup of tea for everybody. So I feel it's my job as a producer for the area to provide content that it's interesting to a lot of different people. And so sometimes, you know, I've had people actually come up to me and say, oh, what are you? Do you do like opera? Is that all you do? Because I don't really. And I say, well, you know what? We do this, but we also do this. So you might like to see this. That might be, you know, be your kind of thing. So don't be afraid to face that question head on and be advice I would give to someone you know you're going to get a lot of input from people on what you shouldn't do you know and so you have to have those answers ready Ready. at the forefront of and not to turn people off and not to make people feel that they're uneducated or that they are, are dumb because they don't like or know or care and it's okay I mean not everybody likes opera and that's fine you know that that's fine and not everybody likes country music or yeah. likes pop music that's completely fine but you do have to be prepared to explain why you're doing what you're doing where you're doing it and how you're doing it well and you know and, and I think it's a it's a really good point about the market able to bear um all the companies with the doctorates and historical performance, you know, and, and all of these things. And I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, when you're in a, a, an urban setting like Boston or like New York or Chicago or Philadelphia or wherever, you know, there is going to be a higher concentration of, um, art supporters and, uh, and conoscenti. And, you know, there is going to be that, but, and I don't know about this for everyone, but I would venture to say that a fair amount of the people that are listening right now are probably not living in those urban centers. They're living right. in small towns across the country. And saying, how do I bring this to where I live? I, I'm here because my partner has a job That's here. It. And so I'm trying to teach voice and I'm feeling really stifled and I need an outlet for my creativity. And I think that's where the best ideas come from because we really do need a lot more more of that you know more access to the arts in any shape or form across the united states yeah yeah absolutely and you know and and having this understanding that you know you you're in the middle of missouri and you have this um you, you know this idea you want to start a company um and the clientele, your clientele is going to be very different than mine in Vermont or yours in Massachusetts, you know? And mm-hmm. so to cater to that while not, um, belying your love for the art form, you know, your, and your quality, you know, I think that there's a real way to marry those things because I would venture to say that anyone who says they don't like opera, um, has the preconceived notion of the 1950s opera or they have the vision of you know the $10,000 suits and the crazy gowns and uh, of the met and the red you know velvet 
um, mm-hmm. and gilding of it all. And so they think that it's not for them. And I mm-hmm. think that what our jobs are to show them, not tell them, that it, it, you can't tell someone, but to say, do you like, like, the music when the, the chocolate commercial comes on? When they're playing, you know, mm-hmm. the May duet? You know, mm. do you like these... Pop culture uses operatic references all the when, time. Oh, when I used to do opera outreach back when I was a, a young singer, I, I used to say all the time to the kids, because they'd be like, well, we don't like this. And I'm like, oh, well... And, of course, then it was soap operas. That's, you know, how long ago. But I would say, well, you like General Hospital. Yeah. Well, that plot is what's in this opera. It's pretty much the same plot. So there you have it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's that kind of thing. And now I would say it's The Bachelor. Well, you like watching The Bachelor? <laughs> well, that's... Here you go. This this is, uh, you know, Nemorino and Adina. Right. And Elysia. This is... Oh, my gosh. Pretty much the... Ba- I mean, you could actually set it... My wife it would love the, that. You know, maybe we have an idea. Somebody produce this, please. <laughs> Somebody Elixir produce. set as if it is The Bachelor. Oh, that's on... really funny. There you go. I've got it. Somebody, you got please it. Please just give me credit. Just million, say, do- hey, million dollar idea. Uh, million dollar idea. idea right there, free. <laughs> Everybody take it, run with it, sell a lot of tickets. You're welcome. Thank you, Patrice, um, <laughs> for, that, for that brilliant idea. Um, okay, we're going to take one more break, and then I'm going to ask Patrice a couple more questions, and we're going to let her go. So hang on just a second. We'll be right back. Okay, so uh, you've all had time to like scribble down all your directorial notes for that. Let us see the more the Bachelor version, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so. So, Patrice, first off, thank you for spending your your evening with me, um, with us. It's really helpful to have another perspective um, on on these things, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're that you're the first one to to come on and to give your perspective. And I hope that everyone that's (laughs) listening is gonna benefit from all this and call you. Yes, any yes, I am not hard to find. I am all over the socials, both as myself and as Sea Glass Theatre Company, and I love to talk to people and you know, write in and tell Joshua you want me to come back. Boom. That's it. <laughs> See, look, the mark of a good producer is when you can plug yourself without actually plugging yourself. It was you know, really... I, I'm a tired old horse in this business. Oh, I'm used it. to this already. No, you know? <laughs> totally. You kidding? No, I totally dig it. Um, okay, so now you know at the end of um, the the um, James Lipton, the an act active oh, yes. studio, mm-hmm. right? Yep. There's the list of questions. And I haven't mm-hmm. come up with a list of questions. I'm going to, which is why I'm going to have you back, because I'm going to ask you all the questions that I come up with. Okay. Um, but the one question that I really, that I will be asking every person that comes on is, mm-hmm. what do you wish you knew when you first started that you know now about... Yeah. Producing and and there could be a couple things, um, but specifically about the administrative perspective. Okay, this is probably pretty easy. I will say that the the thing that I think that that curtails pro uh, companies from getting off the ground or are really taking flight is that they underestimate the sheer amount of office time. And um, 
business knowledge that you have to have doing this, that to be artistic is to be a soul of light and energy and, and create creative ideas. And, but you have to marry that with the, what we call the unsexy stuff, the taxes, the, the legal filings, the day-to-day administrative stuff. And that is the part that I find I underestimated and I, in talking to other people that that's the thing that really hurt them, that they said, I had no idea it took this much to get a show up. You know, that takes, it's all that, it's all that paperwork, you know. Yeah. You know, Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when I, I did the trailer, when I, uh, you know, I was asked to do this, um, by a couple people, um, not thinking I was, I was going to do it, but, but I was really compelled to it, uh, to this, this podcast. And when I was coming up with, with the big chapters, of mm-hmm. of how to start an opera company from my perspective like out of 10 chapters which is what I'm I've got um the first 6 were like totally non-artistic you know yeah. like has nothing to do with the art the the company is I think I said something it's 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 the support for the art. So you have to do all of the slogging through the paperwork and the, the legal stuff. And, you know, we're talking about the board and we're talking about all of these things. Right. And I totally agree. I totally well, and, agree. And, that, and he, yes. Yeah. And I will say to add to that. So, um, I, I was very fortunate in that the law firm that did my nonprofit, um, filings and all of that. The one of the the partners in the law firm. I mean, he he, you know, I, we had a meeting and he said, "Why are you doing this as a nonprofit and not as a for profit company? You know, why why this way and not that way? Because you could form this as an LLC and just do it this way." And he really made me think about why I wanted to do it as a nonprofit. I will say, as for singers that are contemplating doing this my first advice would be to produce a concert just with friends like a, like what's an opera that you want to do with friends and just produce just that just as a uh, nobody gets hurt everybody kicks in money to pay the pianist and you just kind of do it to see how much goes into just doing that well and if you like that and you are alive at the end of it <laughs> then consider then you know, don't I would not counsel anybody to jump in feet first into the whole nonprofit no. filing and all of that stuff because it's very, very daunting. It's it's a fair amount of money and and it's it can be overwhelming when you've never encountered those things. I mean, what's one of the biggest criticisms we have of music school is that singers come out of music school with no business classes. And so kids graduate and they have these phenomenal voices. They're phenomenal actors. They have no idea about taxes, finances, money management, networking, any of those things. Manifest that times 10 and then you have running a company. So it's easy to run Joshua Collier tenor. Yep. But it's another thing to run Barn Opera because now there's so many other more uh, cogs in the machine. And so I would say to people just First, just produce a concert just for fun, 
not for profit, just to for everybody to get a chance to sing a role and do it and see how you like figuring out. And because here's the other thing about this, and Joshua, I'm sure you can add to this, is that it is very hard to produce and sing at the same time. It's damn near impossible. I'm it's just going to throw really, it out really there. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard. It's which not is why pleasant. when when people say I want to form a company and and so in that way I have opportunity it's like well be careful what you ask yeah, for yeah no kidding because you will be very very uh, stressed when it is three hours to show time and you're in the venue setting up and you're waiting for the programs to be delivered and did you know and all of the myriad of other things oh yes and now I have to go put on my makeup and <laughs> Now I have to go emote and sing this show. And then after the show, now you've got to shake hands and kiss babies. And yep. now you've got to break down everything. It's incredibly difficult. I so did. Um, be prepared. Be prepared. That is a crazy good point. Um, I was doing, Barn Opera was doing uh, La Boheme. We had another tenor um, that just decided that a couple of weeks before the production that he was just not going to do it. So I said, okay, I guess I'm doing it. So, Mm -hmm. um, fortunately it's a role that I, I knew, um, and had, had performed before, but you know, I, uh, I, for opening night did not have 10 minutes to warm up. I sang opening night completely cold and it was one, it was, I mean, I made it through, it was fine, but it was not fun, you know, mm-hmm. because there was, because I was thinking about so many other things mm-hmm. about, you know, the things that I couldn't control because I was on the stage. So should something with the tech go wrong, I couldn't do anything about it. Should mm-hmm. something, you know, and so you're splitting up your time. And so it's interesting to me when, when I, when I hear about, you know, these companies that are um, specifically so that, you, you know, we were talking about the Donna Anna, right, earlier. Mm-hmm. It amazes me that that someone could have, if they, if they could run a solid company, that they could have that much energy, you know, and wherewithal to be able to do it. Because for me, it's not fun. I love to sing. I love to perform for other companies. I do not yes. like to sing for Barn Opera. You know, because Well, because when you go work for somebody else, it is not your problem and not, not your, your job. That's right. You just you're like I come in and I, and I think that that in some ways that is one of the byproducts of this is that you then have a very real appreciation for exactly how much goes on behind the scenes oh, to totally. put your behind on the stage. Oh, I um, was just I was just doing yeah. this show and um, the stage manager was putting up it was i think it was right after the sing through and um the first sing through and the stage manager was putting away chairs that was you know mm-hmm. for all the chorus and and the solos everyone had left and the stage manager was putting up chairs so i just helped the stage manager you know put up the mm-hmm. chairs um because i couldn't just sit and watch because i knew what that was like you know right. i knew that I had done that myself so many times by myself mm-hmm. and I knew how it felt. So, you know, that perspective from the other side of the table is just a phenomenal one. And so I hope that all singers get that because then, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Like once you've dealt with a diva from 
an administrative perspective, you know that you you want to be the nicest, best person, you know, for mm-hmm. every other gig because you know what it's like to deal with difficult personalities. Yes, you, and I think it also gives singers more perspective on what cast what goes into casting definitely that it's really hard and we you know we see it online well why this person and not that and it's like you know sometimes there are things behind the scenes that have nothing to do with how fabulous you are they have to do with other other things either grant money or mm-hmm. you know um you know, I mean, and now companies were taking a really hard look at um, how fair and equitable we are to women, right. to people of color, color to right. artists that are differently abled, that yep. are of non-binary or whatever. Exactly. So we're we're looking at all of that. And so sometimes there's so many other things that compound that. And as a producer you will be asked to defend those decisions all the time. So you have to have a, a spine of steel yep. and make sure that you, that, you know, that you let your company reflect your own value, your, in, your internal value, the things that you, you know, hold dear and make sure you're being fair to people. Yeah. I mean, your company is a reflection of your integrity um, mm-hmm. as, as the, manager or artistic director, whatever your, your title is, uh, I, I absolutely um, agree with that. It, you know, it's an interesting point, the representation um, bit, and I, I, which I absolutely am all in favor of um, and uh, have been championing that. Um, we, but even within that, it is not a unilateral decision, right? I mm-hmm. can't say... I'm going to cast this person of color for this role, and that person of color is not d- doesn't have a choice of whether or not to accept this this role. You know, mm-hmm. it's a two way street, and yet, and in the same way, as an administrator, I don't know if you, I'm I'm sure that you've had this experience where you have someone cast in a show, and at the last minute they drop out or something happens where you have to replace them mm-hmm. um your rep- your job as an administrator is to save the show is to continue right. to make sure that that happens and at one, one point um i was accused of not having representation in a cast um but what this person that accused me didn't know was that both of the original cast and the first replacement for that role, you know, and another small role, both of which w- w- dropped out for family reasons. Um, and I had to replace them with, you know, with, with white cisgender people. Um and it looked like I was not being inclusive when in fact I didn't have a choice, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, these are the types of decisions that, that I think are the hardest decisions 
because I, I agree, I do, and know, I think that, and I think that social media magnifies those decisions. Totally, um, this has been an unusual year. Yeah, and um, I I do a fair amount of I wouldn't call it lurking because that makes me sound creepy, <laughs> but I mean I I choose not to engage with a lot because sometimes it just ends up snowballing. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of one of the, can't we all just get along? Right. Can't we all just, can't we all just enjoy, you know, there are going to be people, I mean, it's like this in every gig. There's always a gig where you get along more with people in a gig. Some people in a, you know, if you're in a big cast, there are some people you hang out with all the time and other people that you're polite and friendly and yep. that's as far as it goes. And that's fine. I mean, we're not all going to love each other that way, but I find that social media magnifies those choices and people are more emboldened to confront on social media things that they might not otherwise say totally in, per- in person. And uh, this year I'm trying to give a lot of leeway and, and try to understand the oh, experience. I've not said question. hardly anything because A, as, as a, a white cisgender right. woman, I'm it's my job to shut up and listen and just try to do the best that I can. And I'm not going to be able to please everybody. And I, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, proud of what we've put out at Glass and hope that people feel that we've given a fair amount of opportunity. We've got plans to give more opportunity and more things to a wide variety of people. Absolutely. You know, you just hope that it's okay, but as the producer and or the the general director, artistic director, whatever, you know that those lumps come your way. And so when people say, I want to start a company, it's like, okay, this is also part of it. Yeah. And and how do you want to handle this? You know, because it's gonna be hard and sometimes you're just gonna have to bite on your knuckles and not say a word because it's the best thing for your company. Exactly. Even though your inner person is like, now wait a minute. That's not what it is, you know? <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, I, I can't say that I'm a, a saint in that department either. And, you know, I thankfully my music director and I, we often talk about things together first and and bounce things off of each other. And hopefully we're doing the right thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, you know, and to, to that end, the... Um, I bring this up not because my my feelings were hurt but that it is a real concern and and mm-hmm. and they were absolutely valid in questioning you know mm-hmm. but the hard part and I and I think you articulated beautifully for these you know fledgling artistic directors that are coming up you know these are the the types of things where you want to say no 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 you don't understand that's not what I was doing you mm-hmm. know but it's what it looks like and right. how you you deal with that is really i mean like you said you talk with your music director i do as well you know we mm-hmm. like having building a team around you is the way to protect yourself acting unilaterally i, I believe is not the way to go in any capacity right um and, you know, and I think that it's it just, it's interesting because these, these blows come up and they're going to come up 
And th- that's just one example of something, you know, like that um, that's happened. Uh, we could sit here and I could, you yeah. know, we could drink for the next five hours and we could talk <laughs> about stories, right? But, like, I, 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 I want to give real advice, <laughs> you know? And right, I, I want right. to say, like, this is the shit that, that no one wants to talk about. But right. we have to talk about it, you know? And, and I think, like, there's a lot of burn-it-down mentality, and I'm right there with it, you know? Some things need to be burned down. Other things exactly. just needed to be crisped a little around the edges. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes it's, it's yeah. And, and, I, and I understand where it's coming from, and that's the thing. The emotions yep. of this year from so many different sources. Absolutely. Have, and singers are hurting and, and desiring so much to express themselves right. and to be back out there. And I get it, and that's why I just keep saying people are hurting. They're having yeah. a hard time. They're having a hard time, and and it's okay. And as a company, it's like, well, you know, what do we do? And it's like, I want to put singers to work. Right. You know, right. I'm, I'm just going to give them things to do. I'm going to try to not make it too difficult and, you know, keep paying them. And then we yep. put out tip jars, and people stuff the virtual tip jar, and we split it amongst the singers, and we just keep going and going and going, and hopefully – you know, at the end of, you know, the time, you want singers to say, I had a good experience at that company. I felt valued. I felt respected. Um, you know, we're we're trying to do our auditions in a way that are less um, about who's got the nicest dress and the nicest suit on and more more about what they're presenting in auditions and also looking at ways to make rehearsals work better for people especially now because a lot of us have families and you know every once in a while we need to bring our kid to a rehearsal you know and and how can c-class help make that happen you know can i provide child care you know or or the option or say bring your baby you know that kind of a thing so patrice i think that i'm I'm speaking for everybody who's listening right now, and even if I'm not, I'm speaking for myself. I am honored that you came on and and had this conversation with me because I think that you are, and everything that you've been saying tonight is really not just valuable, but ideal when it comes to the way to approach these new company issues and knowing your you know that that your moral compass as a company and as yourself personally is totally true and i'm just i'm so grateful to you for for everything and i'm glad that i'm that i I played a little part in 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 your in your company i'm 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 thrilled to be associated and to be your friend and um and colleague and i i certainly hope that anybody who's listening um feels empowered truly empowered by what you've said uh today and i hope that they get in touch with you in the same way you know i i'm I'm not making this podcast to make money, right? I'm not mm-hmm. doing this for anything other than I've had this conversation over and over and over again. Let's let's like streamline it and see if mm-hmm. we can get some actual, um, uh, 
you know, continuity here. Um, and so I hope that they contact you. So can you just rattle off your socials and your email and all that stuff? And, sure. um, yeah. and, and I'm sure that you're going to get some, some people that are looking for advice or, um, you know, and I just want to preface this. This is not for solicitation to sing. I'm, I don't want that to be the case at all. This is purely for advice on running a company. If you want to contact her for auditions or whatever, I'm sure there's a channel to do that, and you can talk oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's on um, – yeah, that's that's all on, on the website. And you know what, though? Here's the thing. Singers contact me all the time, and, and that's okay, too. And, in, and I will say one thing about that is that sometimes I don't answer right away. And this is the other thing people say, well, they just don't respond or these companies don't give you any feedback. It's like, you know, sometimes I've got you tucked in an envelope for I I can't use this right now, but I might be able to use this. So don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive. Anybody that contacts me, I always save. I save everything. So. No, I think um, that's really good. I just I what I, I want to just make sure that oh, there's yeah, no, I understand a separation. That. And you know what? You know? Here's the thing too because I'd love to come back and talk more with you uh, specifically about like some of the nuts and bolts things like charitable registration. Awesome. All of that like we said the unsexy stuff. Yeah. You know, today was more about let's get into the zen of why we're doing this. Correct. Correct. Well, <laughs> and the zen can, yeah. but the yes. zen is what's going to bring people or, or, like I don't want to scare anybody off just yet, right? Like like let's no, oh, no, no, no. let's 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 give them I, a little bit of, of realism. I, I prefer to be honest and say to people this can be incredibly rewarding. It's going to be incredibly hard too. Yes. And it's okay if you, that's why I said, try doing one concert and producing something because it's okay to be super creative and and want to do these things. And you may discover, you know what, I liked doing that, but I don't know if I want to do that day in and day out because the company does not wait for you to get the itch to do something. That's the other part of this is that it is a full-time job if you want the company to survive. So if you like the itch of occasionally producing something fun to do that's a whole other avenue and i we can talk about that too because that's its own thing and and that's one thing so that's why i say try it out first and then we can talk about all the other stuff that goes into so you decided to take the leap here's part two (laughs) exactly well i mean and you know and the thing you know my guiding principle always 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 is and this isn't um an unofficial catchphrase but this is what i tell everyone always every time is under promise and over deliver Mm -hmm. so do your concert right get your group of friends together do your concert see if you like it do all the stuff right do all the Mm -hmm. marketing Mm -hmm. figure out exactly like what it takes to do that Mm -hmm. one thing and then we can talk about the super sexy nuts and bolts of it right like we can Mm -hmm. talk about the the registrations and we can talk about the legal aspects and contracting Mm -hmm. and all these you know all these things um that are you know actually really exciting um because they make a difference and, right. and that, that's and the what happens point. when your company goes from doing something twice a year to, um, y- you know, six, seven times a year. Yeah. I mean, I will say with the pandemic, we went from doing, you know, uh, production every four month, three or four months to we were producing weekly content. Yeah. Which meant I spent the entire summer and into the fall working with, um, you know, 
Blake and, and working on the shows. And then once Blake was done with Music and Martinis, then I was on to producing and, and editing those shows. So I've spent many a night at the luxurious offices of Seaglass Theater <laughs> Company, also known as my dining room table. Right. Um, until it, it is not unusual some nights where I have gone until midnight or so, and then I'm up at 6 a.m. with my son. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm back yeah. at it the next day um, because I'm working on that amongst my jobs that pay me. Yep. So, yeah. But, but we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah, we'll talk about but, that in another episode. Yeah, but, the, but the fact that, you know, that... That it's possible, and and you know I just want to lastly just just say piggyback on your it's incredibly rewarding, but it's also very difficult, or it can be very difficult. Um, I'm not sure that those two things are separate. You know, the type of reward that comes from really hard work is a very different type of reward than an easy low hanging fruit. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I and I I think that that it. It really does multiply your um, the pride, you know, the 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 real joy, true joy that you get after a successful production um, mm-hmm. is is really un- unmatchable, and it's it's as addicting as taking the bow, you know, at the end of an opera for for a soloist. Um, at least it is for me, and I, I I'm. I love that there are people that are interested and that are, are willing to, you know, willing to come and, and real talk with us. So, you know, and mm-hmm. what I what I hope will happen next time, Patrice, is that we'll get like a roundtable discussion where we can kind of fight it out because everyone does Ooh, have different opinions. Cage match. Cage match. Right? I love it. Right. The opera director death match. Right. Uh-huh. What, what is it? Um, so, you know, so I think that it would be that that'll be really beneficial. Um, but definitely. Okay. Thank you. So that means everybody has to write in to Josh and, and tell him that I has to, have to come back. Totally. Right, right into me. Right. But if you want to find out what we're doing, it's seaglasstheater.com. And we're on Facebook as Seaglass Theater. We're on Instagram. We're on the Twitter. We're on those things. We're just not on TikTok because, you know, I can't do it all. Yeah. Um, no, I can't. But we're on all those places. And, you know, you can drop me a line on any of those. And I'd love to talk to people. And I'd love to come back and talk more and talk about the unsexy stuff. And, you know, see where this leads. Because the world, the world needs, needs art and needs creative people. So don't give up. Don't give up up mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's a great that's place <laughs> to end this um <laughs> patrice thank you so much uh that's uh sea glass theater company patrice thank you thank you thank you my friend and we you will absolutely be in touch really soon all right see you soon thank you all bye